0: In our local community organizing effort, we spend some time talking about power. And power means different things to different people, and people have different experiences of power, feel differently about it. In building our relationships of trust here in Northwest Arkansas, we take time to listen to one another, especially when it comes to sharing stories of lived experience when people are taking the time to make their private pain public. In our training sessions, we practice listening to individual stories and we come together around common understandings, like our working definition of power. Using Robert Linthicum's definition in his book, Building a People of Power, we agree with one another that, quote, power is the capacity, the ability, and willingness to act. Community organizing is about building people power, organizing lots of people, particularly through institutions who have power, who have the capacity, ability, and willingness to act. And after hearing testimonies and having empathy for the struggles and pressures our neighbors face, we are willing and even yearn to act to alleviate the suffering of our neighbor. This is slow and intentional work, this relationship building. We're moving slowly so that we can provide a firm foundation for organized people power to have the people connected and organized before we have any sort of program or agenda. And just as we as humans can work intentionally to build up power, so also can we choose to diminish the power of others. Do you think that the Israelites felt very powerful in their exile in Babylon? We're given to believe that chapter 40 from Isaiah addresses those who have been in exile maybe 40, maybe even up to 60 years. A population of people were driven from their homeland, unrepresented in the systems that surrounded them, and had no foothold for any kind of social or political mobility. If we were in their place, might we feel stuck or trapped? Might we despair? In survival mode, isn't all of our power put into securing the very basics that we need to survive when, when the systems are larger and more powerful than any one of us or any small group of us? When those systems actively work to oppress us, don't they almost negate our actions? Will they force our hand, drive us to keep trying and trying again until we might lose our willingness, lose our hope? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God, cried out the Israelites. And the prophet, the, and through the prophet, their, their consolation comes not in some tender coddling And in a not so gentle training. If you've ever had physical therapy, you know that recovery can sometimes be more painful than the surgery itself, or at least in the surgery, you're unconscious. (laughs) But like our body breaking through scar tissue and building or rebuilding muscle memory, Isaiah works on the theological memory of the Israelites who can't see beyond or remember anything other than their despair. As justified as they may be in their oppressive state, don't they know? Haven't they heard? Who is their creator? Do they think there's someplace they could be hidden from God? Do they think that God isn't aware of their plight? Do they think they can know the infinite or understand the vastness of God's wisdom? While he may be exasperated, Isaiah hasn't given up on them. And God certainly hasn't and never will. But even in their darkest hour, they have power. Their capacity, ability, and willingness to act faithfully is in waiting for the Lord. Or more accurately translated, they are trusters in the Lord. According to Dr. Wright, my Hebrew scholar and Old Testament professor from seminary, she said that it's not just they're waiting for the Lord, they are trusters in the Lord. The Israelites can exercise hope. They can keep their will intact. Their strength will build, and however hard or humbling it may be, they will persevere in faithful waiting and hope until the, go- the time comes, in God's time, for their deliverance. And God has God's own way of showing up. In the Gospel of Mark, there's always this sense of urgency. Simon Peter's mother-in-law has a fever, and as soon as they get to the house, the disciples tell Jesus about it at once. And Jesus takes her by the hand, lifts her up, and the fever leaves her. In her restored health, she serves them. So urgent is the timing, so swift, that capacity and ability and willingness to act, that it's not until afterwards that we realize that all that action has happened during the day before sundown. It all happened during the Sabbath when no work should have been performed. But that capacity and ability and willingness to heal and to be healed was not bound by any restriction or construct. So fully restored to life and power, the matriarch serves them even before the Sabbath is over. She serves them, apparently serving them in a similar way that the angels serve Jesus In the wilderness, the same word is used translated ministry or serving. The Greek word diakonos, from which we get our word for deacon. Some scholars go as far as to say is that Simon Peter's mother-in-law is our first deacon in the church. But there's no time to linger there. Night falls and the whole city gathers around the home because the word of Jesus' power to cast out demons and to heal has spread. Jesus keeps the demons quiet, for the demons, like us, the reader, know who Jesus really is. And we also get the insight of Jesus taking the time to be still and to listen to God, taking time to pray. It is the disciples who hunt Jesus this time, the disciples who don't yet understand who Jesus is and want him to get back to work, who want to direct his power the way they think it should go. But Jesus, however, trained in prayer, disciplined in power, directs them in the way he will go. Let's go this way so that I can act there too, for this is what I am given to do. And what is he here to do? To proclaim the message, to cast out demons. He's come to share the good news and heal the sick. He knows his purpose. That he brings salvation to the people and restores them to wholeness in God. He will exercise power among them and show them how to live in their power too. Like Simon Peter's mother-in-law. Like every other healed person that will follow him because they've been restored. And even if they can't explain it or don't understand it, they know that they've been touched by God and their life is changed forever. They know that their suffering isn't the end of this story, that there's more at work in this life than they may be able to see, and they know that God is with them. And their stories can inspire others to be trusters in the Lord, and if others aren't ready to act just yet, maybe they can abide in the wondering, the curiosity of it, and work to receive the compassion that is being extended to them. There was a group of people getting organized in Tulsa just last—not this weekend, but the weekend prior. The night before a community action, and there were some of us from St. Paul's who were there to kind of learn by proximity. And in a formation room in the upstairs of the Lutheran Church, a diverse group of educators, faith leaders, organizers, doctors, advocates, and more, were reminded of what Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said about power. In his 1967 manuscript, "Where do we go from here, chaos or community?" So King said, quote, "Power without love is reckless and abusive, and love without power is sentimental and anemic." End quote." So acting for the sake of acting without connection, without relationship, without compassion, is destructive. She says, loving without action is just a feeling without depth or meaning or substance. But King continues, quote, power at its best is love implementing the demands of justice. And justice at its best is power correcting everything that stands against love. End quote. Jesus was powerful. He showed up among those who had been cast down and out, listened to those who were being oppressed by powers and principalities that were not of God. Jesus was bringing about justice, correcting everything that stood against love, exercising power to heal the afflicted and to cast out evil. And Jesus Christ is still organizing the power of the people who rally around love, who have a sense of urgency in healing what is broken and sick in our world today. So we have the power to affect change in our world. One to one or together in power, united in Christ and joining with others in our community in common purpose, we might be the very ones to reveal God's power here and now in our time, healing the brokenhearted, lifting up the lowly. For in every time and place and for everyone, there is no limit to the power of God's love in our world. Amen.